the most important aspect to any success in life is a positive state of mind, right? So surround yourself with people that fill you up, that are not going to take you away from you, you know, find out those triggers in life that make you have those negative thoughts and either cut them out of your life or change your, the way you think about them and how you interact with them. And uh, just focus on the positive state of mind aspect. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the pleasure of having Bo with me today. Bo, how are things down in Georgia, man? Beautiful as always, my man. Beautiful as always. Hey, I really appreciate you having me on today, Jerome. Looking forward to the conversation and providing value to your people as, as, uh, as much as I can. Well, I, I think they're our people. Bo started chiming in on LinkedIn, it. and I found out we, we got common values. So I had to bring him on the show after he started telling me a little bit about his story. So, Bo, thank you so much for your service to the country. It's not often that I, I get to talk to servicemen and women, and to have you on is a, a great honor. So do me a favor and tell the listeners first how they can get in contact with you. Yeah, I think the best, the best route would be uh, my... Email would be bogable at riversideinvestmentgroup.com. And then also, and that's spelled Goble, so you're going to have to look it up. And then also just LinkedIn is, is where I'm constantly trying to provide some value and outreach. So look me up on LinkedIn and connect and then reach out. Beautiful. And so let's talk a little bit about who you are, what you've done. Give the listeners a little bit about your background. No, I appreciate that, Drum. So I was born and raised in Southern Indiana an avid athlete throughout my upbringing. My, my father uh, was a high school wrestling and football coach. And so I was big into sports, played college football, and then, and then joined the service and the army. I've had a great time and such an honor to serve this country in the United States Army for the past eight years. And along that path, what kind of connected us and what connected me to so many incredible people in my life is uh, discovering my passion and real estate investing. And, you know, discovered that with our first home that we purchased as a primary residence and then converted after we moved with the military into a short-term rental in 2015. And that's kind of slowly built up and had some mahal moments along that route. And then been solely focused on commercial multifamily since 2018 and had some ups and downs. But man, I Jerome, you just, some days you wake up or some periods of time, you know, you're ebbing and flowing. And I mean, the world is just smiling at me right now. I mean, I'm so blessed and been given so much. And right now things are, things are going really well in a lot of different aspects of life. So yeah, that's where I'm at today. So I know you guys hear me talk a lot about my dad jumping out of airplanes. I saw Boeing uniform the other day and I saw the symbol. So you jump out of airplanes, right? So Man, you just brought up such a terrible topic to talk about. So I'm so bitter. I'm one of the very few airborneless rangers out there. The Army sequestration took it away from me, but I will attain that. I'm an air assault guy from the 101st, so 
I'm an air assault ranger, but I'm jumping out of some airplanes before I get out of the army. So <laughs> respect it for sure. All right. So you talked about the ups and downs of being in real estate. I know you got a few different stories you were willing to share with the listeners today. Do you want to talk about some of the deals that didn't go through or do you want to dive into onboarding where you want to go first? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I could provide value either way uh, or I'll try to, you know, certainly strive to. So yeah, we can talk about some deals that didn't go through. Maybe that, that would impact some, some people out there trying to get started that are hitting some hiccups. Yeah. So I hear a lot of people say, oh man, like, Everybody is successful. Every time they put a deal on a contract, it closes. There's never any real struggles in due diligence. And you don't really have to retrade because everybody tells a complete truth. And none of those things are actually true. And once you get into the space, you find out how common it actually is. So, I mean, I'd love to hear about your journey because I know you've closed one, maybe two pretty sizable deals, but I'm sure they weren't the first two that you've looked at. So let's go into the journey of getting to the first deal. Yeah. So I guess taking a step back to where I was in my evolution of real estate investing, basically I found the passion for real estate investing, didn't know exactly what avenue or what niche I was going to be a part of. And commercial multifamily is just by far to me, the best wealth building vehicle available to anyone. That asset class is just so tremendous in so many different ways at this point in time. And maybe that shifts, you know, in the future. And, you know, we're definitely open to other opportunities in the future. But right now at this moment, that's where that's where we're focused. And in 2018, man, I was just hungry. I was hungry. I was eager. I was doing what uh, I would imagine a lot of people just discovering the asset class are doing, they're on loop net, they're reaching out to brokers and sounding kind of foolish because they don't know what they're talking about all the time. But taking those small steps of, uh, you know, understanding the underwriting and taking those small steps to, to truly build up this knowledge base that will, you know, see success in the future. You know, my first syndication, just to get into the first one that I failed on, I wouldn't say that there was a whole lot of it that was exterior, right? There was there was external, I should say, that that were the reasons why I failed. It was all because Bo Gable was not prepared moving forward to close on that deal. And it's kind of comical now, but still, it, it was a very small property in, in my hometown, which is a place that I'm passionate about investing in and, and providing value to, but um, and also have, you know, some competitive advantage because I've got so many good people back there and a good network. So but it was, it was an eight unit and was going back and forth on the, on the contract. And, and truly the biggest reason why it failed, it's funny, it would have been a syndication because it would have been a security, but I didn't know the difference between a joint venture and a syndication at the time. So, you know, could have been breaking some laws, you know, but the biggest reason why it failed is just a basic lack of understanding. You know, I, I, I could underwrite proficiently, to find the value of a property. I couldn't underwrite proficiently yet to understand how a business plan is enacted, how a business plan, the num- the assumptions that you take on that would, you know, change your return on investment, that would change your debt coverage service ratio, you know, that would, that would make you appealing for a, for a lender and just all those different nuances. And then, being able to go back and forth with a broker intelligently 
the lack of the ability to do that made that deal nearly impossible to to transact, you know, and looking at it now, it would have been a, would have been a good deal. Um, it would have been a good little eight unit that we could probably still be sitting on, you know, the purchase price. I'm, t- I'm talking like under 200 K for an eight unit. And, you know, so it would have been a nice cash flow asset for me and one to two other people and learned a lot throughout it, but I couldn't get over my humps and my obstacles in order to close that property. So, so what would have, fix that for you? What would have helped you get over the hump and be in a better position to spend time with the broker so that you guys could actually work out a deal? Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is mindset. It was in, and I say that like preemptively the preparation going up into that deal, I'm kind of stuck in some old school mentalities where I want to do a lot of things myself and learn things and operate. And, and I think that there's a way to expedite your journey to success if you bring on some mentors, some coaches, and typically the way that the majority of those the, of us will find that is through paid coaching. And, and I, and I wasn't ready to take that step. You know, I still had a little bit of limitations on what those people were achieving and what I'm paying for and, and if it's worth it, which I have done a complete 180. I believe that any professional in any asset class in any profession has a coach or a mentor or some sort of someone that look over their shoulder and tell them Tiger Woods has a coach and he's the, you know, he's not the best golfer anymore, but at one point he was the best golfer in the world. And yet he had a coach every day that watched him. If Tiger Woods needs a coach, I'm pretty sure an inexperienced real estate investor that's trying to be world-class and provide the best, you know, uh, investment available to the people that he cares about. He need, I needed a coach, you know, I needed to, to invest some money in myself and my education and, and bring on a coach. So that was the biggest hurdle that I think that didn't set me up for success. Got it. And it's interesting because you said your dad's a coach. So it's just like, you know, you've been coached, you've been an athlete. And even like when you go into the military, the structure and the rigor of it all, you've always got somebody that's watching over you and making sure that you're making some safe decisions, if nothing else. So it's easy. It's easy in hindsight to look back and be like, why did I not understand that? But, you know, I also understand some of the financial constraints that a lot of people come from, you know, and the, and the mindset that we have on what's worth our money while, you know, our society tells us, Hey, go spend a hundred K a hundred thousand dollars on your, college education. So then you can pursue more education before you're actually qualified to work a job. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense at 18 years old, you know, but I wasn't, but I didn't think a couple grand up front was worth it to have somebody that could just like, you know, show me the ropes. (laughs) So it's just funny what you put value on. Yeah. I think for the folks who are achievers though, it goes straight to I call it ego now, but, you know, I'm smart. I can figure it out. I've done this other stuff. I mean, I got a college degree. Of course, I can figure out how to buy a building, right? And it's not until you actually get into it, you realize it's not just about the transaction. In fact, the transaction is probably the easiest part about all of it. It's really about how you operate it and putting together a solid business plan that you can execute. We actually have an opportunity to actually make money. Um, It's all about profitable deals, not closing a deal from my perspective. No, that's very well said. And fulfilling that business plan is what should be celebrated, not necessarily closing on that deal. That is where the work starts. And it's obviously there's work involved throughout the process, but you earn 
from your execution after you close. So, and you provide value to the residents and everything. You know, closing a deal, I mean, anybody can do that. Hey, throw a couple of dollars at it, you know. But now, great point, Jerome. No, perfect. So, you you missed the eight unit. Was there another one before you got the first one closed? Yeah. So this one was actually my big one. So that eight unit was kind of you know I call it a it was it was more of an educational piece. Uh, you know, we went back and forth, slightly had it under contract if you even want to call that, but never fulfilled the PSA in order to actually have it under contract purchase and sale agreement. I'm sure most, most of your listeners know. Uh, the second one though, it was a hybrid and it was really going to be my segue kind of into the syndication model, not necessarily on the commercial multifamily side, because it was a three unit brand new build in downtown Nashville, but it was going to be a segue into the syndication model with some short-term rentals. And so I was basically going to raise the money and provide that business plan for the short-term rentals. And, you know, I think that's a syndication is often talked about only in commercial multifamily, but it can apply to any different, you know, it's a tool that can apply to any different investment vehicle or even just everyday life, you know? So that deal was definitely the first big failure. I mean, I was after, after that one fell through, I had invested so much time, so much effort, so much and a lot of money, a lot of travel. Whenever that deal fell through, you know, I think you you touched on ego a little bit ago, and just my ego itself. I was so I was embarrassed. You know, I felt bad. I had reached out to people and exposed myself and made myself vulnerable. I said, "Hey, we're going to make this work," you know, um, and stayed positive throughout until. And I mean, it was it just it's just hard to recover whenever you care so much, right? And now looking back, I was definitely too emotionally involved with it. I, you know, was doing the the big dreams and everything. So I think I'm rambling a little bit and not really providing much value. But but I will say that it definitely impacted that, definitely changed tra- my trajectory in real estate investing in general. So I learned significantly more from failing in that deal than I probably would have if we would have closed on it. And it changed my trajectory in such a positive way. So um, I've learned that in hindsight. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location for you, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyersMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to the episode. Whoa. And so, no, I, I don't think you're rambling. I think most of us have those issues and to be able to explain expose people to the emotions that you actually go through when you're going into these deals and trying to get it figured out. And you got all your hope in it. It's like, I'm finally getting ready to get it done. And then it doesn't happen. Of course, it's disappointing. It's no different than getting a college scholarship or playing in the professional level or getting your Ranger badge or whatever the person's building up to and putting a lot of effort and energy and trying to achieve or accomplish. 
And if you got to have the right support group around you to say, one, you're not the only one that's been through this. It doesn't fix it for you, but it lets you know that it's not uncommon. And then two, I think, hey, here's how we pivot off of it, or here's the lessons that we learned, or here's why it probably shouldn't work and you're better off because it didn't. So no, I don't think you're rambling at all. And I appreciate you getting vulnerable with the audience here because there's not a whole lot of Rangers that's going to come on and talk about how disappointed they were or how their ego got hurt because something didn't work out the way it is. You know, you listen to the majority of podcasts and they're not going to talk about anything except for how great they are and why you should invest your money with them. And for me, it's super important for people to understand what they're going to get into when they get into the space. And if they're already in the space, hear stories that they can learn from or stories they can identify with. And hopefully some folks will reach out to you and either confirm or affirm what you've been through and say, hey, man, I had something similar happen. You're definitely not on your own in that. Or thanks for telling me about that because I'm trying to get it done. So we got to that one. And then third time's the charm, right? Yeah, I, I would say there's some more ups and downs in between, but yeah, absolutely. This property we closed on in January of, of 2020 was our first commercial asset. And man, that could be a whole discussion, days long discussion, because so much learned from there. I think if there's anything to take from it, it's that you're failing. You know, I love that we talked about failures up front, right? Because both of those set up a stage where then I could move forward. And quite literally, the second one in particular, I mean, it formed a team that then catapulted me to uh, being able to, or catapulted us to be able to take on our, our the actual property, right? So it changed my mindset. I stopped on syndication for a while. I wanted to get my, my actual bearings. I was tired of talking to investors without having that track record. So I said, hey, I'm going JV route. I'm going to find a couple people that have a need so I can fulfill that need. I found those people. And then I pursued this 68 unit that we closed on as a JV. And it was going to be me and a few other partners. And just so happened that some complications came up where one of the, one of the partners could not be involved. And so completely unrelated to the property and everything. So basically after we were under contract, it was, it was then a decision point where I had to pivot back to syndication. And so just having that tool in the tool belt, you know, and to be able to impact the people that you care about immediately. Jerome, we just made our first, just, so it's right now it's December of 2020 and we were going to distribute our return on capital. Our distributions were supposed to go out to investors quarterly starting after two quarters, right? And COVID obviously messed all that up. Some of the business plan didn't look good, but we made our first distribution this month and there was nothing that was more fulfilling to me. I've loved this entire journey, but being able to provide back to the people that have trusted me enough or trusted us, I should say us, because it's an entire team, was by far the most fulfilling aspect of, of this journey so far for me. So these are people that I care about that never had a chance to get into real estate by themselves. And and to be able to bring them along in a journey is the reason why syndication will be the route that I pursue for the foreseeable future. I just love this, love this field, love commercial multifamily, but truly love being able to put some of the people that I care about's money into a safe, reliable return that, that will provide them income for the foreseeable future. So Beautiful. Everybody wants to get to that distribution. The point where you rock yeah. checks is the point where you feel like you have true success in the deal. And so tell us a little bit about the deal, man. 
Yeah. So it was, like I said, it was a 68 unit um, right in, in, this, in Southern Indiana. Actually, the seller had three properties. They were trying to sell as a portfolio for about a year. And honestly, it was not managed very well by the brokers prior to what I perceive as the, or probably the best broker in, in the area who I had a, a connection with just from another, just from a few other deals that we've, we've had a discussion. So, you know, Scott took on this property, the, the portfolio and broke them up into individual assets. Cause to be honest with you, there were three different, completely different types of assets, even though they're all apartments and sold them independently from each other. And I wasn't necessarily looking for something of that size because I was looking at the JV route, but after Scott sent it over and he said, Hey man, you've got to take a look at this. It is the cash cow of the apartments that I'm selling in this portfolio. It's just, you know, it's in a tertiary market. So there's some things that keep other people away and it just fell out of contract. So it was the first one to go under contract of the three. And he's like, take a look at it. Let me know. And that's whenever just speed of implementation is very important, right? So he sent it back and I was like, all right, give me 48 hours. I'll give you a rough estimate. And from there forward, you know, it was, it was a daily grind to get that thing done. Tons of ups and downs, but man, it is so like, I mean, I look a year ago, we were, we were about to close about a year ago today and diff- completely different situation, you know? So for sure. So tell me a little bit about onboarding. Did everything go smooth or how did it go? So there were some, some things out of our control that obviously happened last year or this past year that impacted us. But, you know, onboarding that property, I was going to JV this deal and then became the lead sponsor or lead syndicator in the deal. So the buck stopped with me. Like I'm the decision maker. I didn't have somebody looking over my shoulder. There was no, there was conversation with my business partner, Scott, who's phenomenal asset manager and, and tremendous, you know, just a very smart and savvy guy. But, you know, a lot of those decisions were, Hey, you know, how are we going to implement this business plan? What are we going to do? So I think it all started onboarding started off on, on the wrong note, in my opinion, because of the contract. Right. So, in our contract, again, going back to some of the failures, I spent a significant amount of money with a lawyer going through the contracting phase of that second deal, and it left a left a sour taste in my mouth. I wanted to keep things as simple as possible for both the owner of the asset and for you know the broker involved and for myself because truly just worked for a mutually beneficial situation. And so our contract was very simple on the 68 unit that we closed on. Very simple. It did not have a contingency in there about keeping vacancy low, you know, below 10%. And we went with a local credit union, so we didn't have that agency cutoff where you have to, you know, maintain 90%. So basically we got the property under contract at 96% occupancy. And by the time we closed three months later, it sat at 82 and we immediately evicted a few folks. So there was definitely some tenant turnover that needed to happen. And that onboarding was something that I was not, I was not prepared for that aspect of it. I was like, why are we at 82%? Oh, and we're also evicting four people and we've got a couple moves out. It's like, man, so there, you know, you close on the property, you want to like, Hey, let's, let's celebrate. (laughs) 
the next day you wake up and it's like, man, I'm working harder now than I was before. So contractually, I will never leave that out of a, out of a PSA again. They must maintain and maintain that, that occupancy rate because that's an important aspect of just the business plan, right? So what it did do is it enabled us to start our renovations, our value-add business plan sooner. But to be honest with you, it was, a, it was you know, there was a, there was a, it took two months to turn all those units because we weren't prepared for that many units for 12-ish units. So, you know, it, it was something that we should have been prepared for incrementally, both just to, to manage the asset. So yeah, definitely the contract was the first big asset management piece, onboarding piece that, that I would change. Beautiful, Bo. And you've already hit all the other points. You told us about the key process change that you'll make so that that won't happen again. And you talked about how the issue was resolved. And I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. You spend your rehab money faster when your vacancy increases because, you know, the occupancy down and you can come in and get it done. And you find out really quickly on whether or not your rent bumps are going to be proven or not. And that's the scary part. But if it is, then you can drive that revenue up in the first year in a way that you didn't expect to because you got more units ridding at that higher rent and that'll move your average up. So that, that's just phenomenal. I'm glad you guys had the capital available to deploy it against the renovations. And it sounds like you're off to a really good start on your project and you, are, you got distributions done in the first year with renovations through COVID. So it just sounds like it's gonna be a phenomenal project for you guys. The final question that I always wrap these episodes up with is what words of wisdom do you have for the listeners? That's a, no, it's a phenomenal question. The most important aspect to any success in life is a positive state of mind, right? So surround yourself with people that fill you up, that are not going to take you away from you, you know, find out those triggers in life that make you have those negative thoughts and either cut them out of your life or change your, the way you think about them and how you interact with them. And uh, just focus on the positive state of mind aspect of success. And, and by far, I mean, I read from it daily. By far, the most important book in my life is Napoleon Hill's Thinking Girl Rich. And I read the self-confidence formula every single day because that keeps me, it keeps me registered with what I'm trying to achieve in life. And so maintaining that positive state of mind is, is above and beyond, like that positive attitude towards everyone, that love and appreciation for everybody is going to be the marker of success. So... Beautiful, bro. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and sharing these lessons with the listeners. I know they're going to get a tremendous amount of value from it. And I look forward to bring you back on as you get deeper into the business plan and see if we can find out some more from you guys as you continue to invest in Indiana. Look forward to talking to you soon. You made it to this juncture. So you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.